Hi, everyone. Welcome back to What the Fertility Season 2. Today, we have Dr. Jeannie Schlafly with us. She is an anesthesiologist that turned into a holistic functional medicine doctor, and she has her own fertility practice called Baby Hope Fertility. So we are so excited that you are here and to talk about your personal journey as well as your fertility practice. Well, hello. Thank you so much for having me. This is very exciting. I feel quite honored to be here. And yeah, we'll start off with, I, I was an anesthesiologist and I, in my practice, I worked in a, a area very close to Boulder, Colorado, and we saw very healthy patients actually a lot of the time at the hospital who would just come in for either elective surgeries or, or even emergency surgeries. And, and they, they looked, they appeared for the most part, very healthy. And then sometimes I would get into their history or check their chart and see all these other medical conditions. And like, oh, that's so interesting how one person that appears very healthy actually has a lot of problems. And then the other person that appears healthy is healthy, you know, according to the, the paper at least. And uh, I just kept wondering why, you know, the, the why about it. And at the same time, my mom was struggling with some chronic problems and doing her own research and trying to find, and actually she struggled, struggled a really long time with, with chronic stuff. Even when I was younger, I remember trying to, to get her out of bed thinking, oh, maybe she's depressed. I just need to help her get out and walk and, and come to find out she sought out, she sought out help and found functional medicine providers that really got to the root of what what was causing her low energy and other chronic symptoms. So between the two of those, looking at patients that, that struggled with some stuff, even though they seemed to be doing all the quote unquote right things. And then my mom who struggled and found answers in functional medicine, that made me want to dive deeper into that. So I was an anesthesiologist, but doing courses on the side and ended up pursuing, um, a certificate in functional medicine at the, well, it, it's called the Institute of Functional Medicine. They're uh, somehow associated with the Cleveland Clinic, I believe. Okay. And I was able to do it on, all online. So yeah. I see. Yeah. So I wanted to, and we'll touch on it, the certifications and IFM. So I'm assuming that that's what the Institute of Fertility, is it Institute of Fertility Medicine? The uh, Fertile Foundations. Fertile Foundations. And I, okay, great. That's how I got connected, but they're actually not connected. I <laughs> kind of counterintuitive, but I was on a WhatsApp group from the functional medicine program. And well, some people just started it as not sponsored by the, the program itself. And I don't know, there's many, many, many practitioners on there. And I don't always read. There's a lot of communication, but it, it caught my eye. It said, anyone interested in, in the functional medicine approach to fertility? And at that point in my career, I, I noticed my hands or back up probably about a year prior, I noticed my hands were getting weaker when I was at work. And that was very concerning. We have to in anesthesiology, many times we have to intubate a patient so that we can take over their breathing during the surgical procedure. And so our, our hands are very, very, very important. And I ended up at an occupational medicine doctor. It was one day in August, 2020. 
and I'll never forget. And she did some muscle testing and said, you're too weak to work in anesthesia. So this was on my medical work record. Yes. And oh, gosh. Meant, the next day I was scheduled to work the next day. I could not work. So it was quite a shock <laughs> and uh, a, a lot of emotions there. However, especially looking back now, I'm like, oh my goodness, what a blessing. Cause now I can do what I'm really passionate about. And I had already started diving into the functional medicine piece. So I, I was trying to remember the timeline. Yes. So I went ahead and finished my certification for functional medicine. And that's when I came across the, the WhatsApp, a little announcement. Anyone want to learn more about functional fertility? In the in functional medicine, my functional medicine training, we learned a lot. However, it wasn't really dialed into anything, especially not fertility. So I I just, I got the chills when I just read that really simple message. message. I was like, yes. And the reason, the main reason why is my husband and I were also going through fertility challenges. And I had thought a lot about the why of that, similar to seeing patients in the anesthesia practice is why, why do I know and see some women that get pregnant like this, you know, like no problem at all. And then others that seem very healthy or whatever it might be, or, uh, that aren't getting help that aren't getting pregnant and that are struggling with it. So I'll go to my, my personal journey. So my husband and I, we met on match actually, and, and we were both 40 and technically I was, I think 39. And then when, when we first communicated and then I turned 40, <laughs> uh, when we first met in person and on his profile, it said under kids, definitely. And for me, I put possibly just mainly because of my age, I always wanted to have kids. I just, you know, then my career took me in a certain, certain trajectory. And then I was dating guys on and off and not finding my soulmate. So, you know, here I am at 40, I always wanted kids and I don't know. I don't know if I'm fertile. I don't know if I'm willing to take the risk to have a biological kid. And so my husband or to be at that time. And I did a lot of research and talking and talking to OBGYNs and medical friends and other people and and a lot of talking between ourselves. Are we willing to take the risk to have a biological kid? And I would say probably a year later, we decided, yes, we're, we're willing to do that. And uh, at that time, I was one of those lucky people who just got pregnant like that. It was amazing. Like, I look back on it, especially now having more um, knowledge about the fertility world. Oh my goodness. We were so blessed, uh, lucky, whatever the world word might be to have our, our son, our, our son is very healthy. He's now seven full of energy. That's a wonderful blessing in our life. I love that. And yeah. Then we got to, uh, about a, a year after, you know, our son was a year old and the same, the same questions came through our mind. And I grew up as an only child and have 
like lifelong thought about having kids and knowing that I didn't want to just have one. <laughs> I, I've always wanted siblings and it just didn't happen that way. So and my husband knew that from the beginning, that part of my story. And so here we are. I'm so happy we have our son and thinking about having another. Well, what what do we do? Do we want to go the adoption route, which we had actually started looking into and that, that period of time where I didn't know that I was pregnant, and, but I hadn't missed my period yet. We actually went to adoption meeting. So looking back on it, I was pregnant at that adoption meeting, but honestly, it was really discouraging being at that meeting because it sounded like the, the moms cho will choose the adopted parents or situation. And normally they choose parents that are younger and that uh, that don't already have a child well at the time we didn't have miles my son however we were we knew we were older so we had a big hit against us and i just remember leaving that meeting feeling discouraged and then next thing i know we're pregnant which is wonderful <laughs> and then fast forward a little bit again so we're, we're back to my son is one and what do we want to do at this point do we want to try for it a biological child again? Do we want to look into adoption a bit more? And honestly, we did a little bit of both. <laughs> we looked into adoption and we started trying for our second. It took us a really long time to get pregnant or a, a year and a half, which felt really long, especially with our ages. <laughs> and we did get pregnant and that was our, our Lily Rose pregnancy. And everything seemed great. Like nothing was on my radar because we didn't have any problems with my son. And then at 13 and a half weeks, basically I noticed this protrusion and I was like, do we have rectal prolapse? Like what's going on? Like things were different. I, definitely from having my son and I pushed on it and I realized that was the membranes and my water broke and my heart just sunk. And it, sure enough, we ended up losing our baby girl, Lily Rose. So my my heart goes out to everyone. I I had no idea prior to having that loss what a pregnancy loss was or feels like and how, how devastating, at least it was for my husband and I and our son. And Miles was two and a half at that point. And he's so sweet. And we, we talked to him about Lily Rose while he was pregnant. And he was so looking forward to having his little sister. And I I really believe they were connecting. It was amazing. When he would tell me these things at two and a half. I'm like, okay, I think they're having some type of communication. It was wild. So oh, it was hard for we're, all yeah, of Yeah, we're so sorry for your loss. And I definitely appreciate you sharing it, especially the, the connection between having a child, because I feel like we don't have a lot of guests on that, that have already had children and then they go through a pregnancy loss. So I'm sure that's very, very helpful for women that have gone through that. Yeah, yeah, it was, um, it was really tough. So my, my heart goes out to everyone. And I, you know, well, looking back on that too, it's interesting how life, you know, brings us different things that I can just be, I can, I can see the, the beauty or uh, positive side of it, I guess, is that I am able to relate to people that I work with who have had losses. And unfortunately it is pretty common. I'm sure it's been talked about on 
on the program and many of the people that have gone through it know that like one in three or one in four women go through it. it it's, it's so, and so were you, were you, I'm trying to do the math. Were you yeah. like 43, 44 for this pregnancy? Let's see. That yeah. sounds about right. I, I had miles at 42 and then it was about a year and a half later. So 43 and a half sounds about right. Yeah. And so were they able to, it just your water spontaneous rupture of membranes. Is that really the, what occurred? Yeah, it was. I, I didn't have any bleeding, interestingly enough. They said they were able to deliver her there in the emergency room because my cervix had opened. Uh, and um, and the only thing we could come up with, we meaning the OB, or my OBGYNs that I work with and high-risk OBGYNs, was that I had an incompetent cervix, even though normally I, I think I, I'm not going to have the exact number of weeks correct here probably, but they said it's a little further along normally, uh, I think 14, 15 weeks that usually the, the baby. Is yeah. And they can do like the cerclage and stuff, but that's, you know, it's so interesting you share that because we see that a lot with like second and third pregnancies. So like you would think like, well, why didn't I have that with miles? And then yeah. you Rose. it's very confusing. Yeah, and I was told by our uh, high-risk OBGYN that, and I might have this this piece of information not completely correct, I, I believe it was for pushing a long dur uh, duration, like over a few hours, I, I, don't, I can't remember the exact time, and um, my son was also um, forceps delivery. But I'm pretty sure it was the pushing part that he said that can lead to an incompetent cervix for wow. your next uh, pregnancies. And also, I believe I probably have Ehlers-Danlos. It's a connective tissue disorder. And, and my mom does. She's tested genetically positive for it. I'm hypermobile. And they said that could also contribute to it. So maybe a combination of yeah. factors. Yeah. Gosh, I'm so sorry. Oh, thank you. And I felt like it took us, took me, I'll just speak for myself, but it took me a while to, I'll say heal, but that's not completely correct terminology because, you know, I, I, I still miss her and have sorrow. So it's not like completely healed and went away. Um, yeah. However, I got to the point where I was like, okay, you know, now I can I'm actually thinking I want to be pregnant. Whereas when we first lost her, I was just, I was in awe and in shock. And how, I was like, how can women try for another pregnancy after they have a loss? This is just so incredibly painful and scary. You know, so many emotions. But then three months later, it's like, okay, 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 honey, we're old. We were old before. We are really old now. <laughs> Thank goodness. No. <laughs> We need some serious help. So that's when we pursued the Western world approach, I guess, to, to fertility. And definitely, you know, looking from my holistic point of view at this point, yes, that's what I needed. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you more about our clinic. And it's a, it's tricky. Some, some people in the holistic fertility world do work with women who are perimenopause. But once the hormones start to change a bit, it's it's definitely more tricky, meaning uh, not our success rates are not as high as they are.
prior to that. So we decided to do the to see a reproductive endocrinologist, and we definitely had a had a, a road a fertility journey road just within that piece of our journey, I guess. And we we tried some IUIs, and that was a roller coaster ride, as I'm sure some people can understand and have probably experienced it. It's, you know, getting so excited, like, this is the day, you know, we could be pregnant. And then finding that negative pregnancy test. And so we went through that. And then we ended up at a different clinic. And that RE said, well, your your best bet is donor egg and with your age and, and follicle count. And she said, and my husband was on board with that. He's like, okay, yeah, let's go with the, the best bet, the safest, absolutely. However, I wasn't ready for that at the time. I I knew we just had two pregnancies in our 40s, and I wasn't ready to say <clears throat> that this wasn't going to work, and yeah, let's do donor egg. I, I just, I think I needed to try, basically. So we did. We, we tried, and the RE said, you know, your numbers look good enough. And the, the fact that you just had a pregnancy, she thought it was worth a try if we really wanted to. So we did. And that was basically a failed IVF cycle. We had six eggs and one matured, but not far enough to, to transfer. So that was disappointing and another thing to mourn. And I, I don't know, I just was in that moment until six months later, I don't know what shifted. <laughs> I was like, honey, I'm ready. I, I want to do donor A. I'm ready to, to have another baby. So wow. we did that and we were successful with our baby girl, the, and oh, that's amazing. And I think it. you said, and I'm trying to follow your journey. How, at what age did you deliver Ava? Yeah. So 48. Do you know what's so interesting? And Amanda, I think you've seen it too. All of whatever we ask, what people want to hear on the show, everybody is saying pregnancy over 40, pregnancy over 40. Yeah. That's yeah. like our number one it's thing. It's so common nowadays. It really is. It's like so common with everyone with their careers. And it's just, it's like, it's just a different timing. And I think it's so important that we talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. And there's different paths to get there. You know, sure. we, we went the RE route. Well, and, and then we're lucky with miles or blessed or <laughs> all of the above. Uh, yeah. And I, there's also my mentor that I trained with. So when the, the, the woman put out, Hey, do you want to learn on WhatsApp? Do you want to learn more about functional medicine approach to fertility? It ends up she had been connected with this woman, Dr. Amatma Simmons, I believe is her last name now, in California at the time. And she had she's a naturopathic physician who has been doing fertility for 10 plus years and basically packaged her program, like all the research she did and and the actual clinical work, what has worked, what hasn't, packaged it up and said, Hey, I'm willing to train providers with this gift is how I look at it. This beautiful okay. gift. Yeah. She's been, this is her success rate for women 38 and younger. 85% of those women 
get pregnant wow. working with working in our program I unbelievable yeah so like focusing on like the holistic approach really like functional medicine based yes functional medicine and holistic mm -hmm. like the combination of it so unbelievable anyway but uh she her story and I, I won't tell her story but um what motivated her was she wanted to preserve her fertility so that's why when you said people wanted to hear about it over 40 that's that's what came to my mind is that we can we can help preserve fertility I mean we can't guarantee okay you'll be fertile until this age of course <laughs> however we can pretty much guarantee if people follow what's known here to work that their fertility will last longer than it would have without doing these steps if that makes sense it wow. does. Yeah. I would love to, so to really, your, thank you for sharing your story. Um, as we get into your clinic and the why and the how, I think that just is so meaningful and people are going to understand like she's coming from a place of experience, um, which is awesome. So I was reading off your baby hope fertility to my husband this morning. And normally he's like, yeah, sounds like cool, like whatever. But he was like, can you ask her this question and this and that question? Oh, oh really? That's so cute. I'd love to get into, into your clinic. Um, hear about, yeah, right. Hear about what you do. And then maybe I have some questions for you. Yeah, absolutely. Bring them on. <laughs> you know what I love that you just said that is that the male was interested and involved because that's another piece that sold me on Dr. Amatma, like training with her was oh my gosh, she's so right. She said, the male is 50% of the equation. Sure, you have the sperm, you have the egg, you know, it's it's 50%. And at least in our experience, that wasn't so when we went to the reproductive endocrinologist. I don't even know. Yeah, yeah, my, uh, my husband had had a semen analysis at some point. Yes, definitely. But that was pretty much it. And I was like, okay, there's your semen analysis. And you know, no looking into his help at all anymore or asking him how he is or anything. And my husband, and so he was reading the website and he called it. I mean, he, I think on your website, it says something like you do, um, oh gosh, you do, you look at both partners and it was like very, it wasn't vague, but it didn't say like, we do a full thing of the mail. And he's like, oh, that's so cool. So for our journey, you know, we have I don't even know if we have unexplained infertility. We've had six miscarriages and then we had my daughter, um, but there's been no diagnosis um, for any of that. And my husband has an autoimmune disease. And so our whole, our whole entire, and I've never been diagnosed with anything. So like our whole journey, he kept saying, look at me, look at me, please look at me. Can we do yeah. DNA sperm fragmentation testing? Can you please look at me? Yeah. And, and just, we, we went to two different clinics and it was the it was the standard semen analysis, which he checked all the boxes, everything looked great. But on our own quote unquote Google research or like looking at PubMed or articles, you know, we see all this stuff, mostly international based, um, where they're where they're doing that. Um, and so I'd love to, I know I'll let you let you go back a couple steps, but we'd love to get into that eventually. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's so interesting. And I'm so sorry for your losses. Oh my goodness. That's heartbreaking and I give you so much courage for not giving up like I feel like oh it, it's so emotional and 
I just admire people who have been able to survive going through that and and not give up. And then you have your, you said daughter. Yes, I do. And it's so funny. I just recorded an episode this uh, last week where I was talking about like my journey and like for the future. And it was kind of along those lines of, I've heard so much, like, I just want to give up. I want to throw in the towel. And while that is necessarily sometimes like people do get to that point if they're financially, mm. you know, to that breaking point or emotionally. And I was just like, I'm so glad I didn't stop because yeah, my daughter's seven months next weekend. Oh my goodness. How fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, I agree. Everyone has their own journey and yeah, what might work for one person great. It might not work for another. Absolutely. Like we all have our own choices, which is beautiful. And, and it's beautiful too, that we have different journeys, but then there are threads that are similar. So we can not feel alone. I know that was a big piece for me was just feeling alone in, in it. And that's what I love about our clinic and my, my business partner and I are starting a group fertility. So I'm feeling so hopeful that that'll even more bring, I, I think just my story helps bring to the patient, like they're not alone, but then to be in a group of other people going through it at the same time, I think is going to be really powerful. So. Absolutely. So what does that look like? Your group, yeah, the group fertility. Yeah, I, I can go there or I can start with Baby Hope Fertility. Yes, definitely tell us about your practice and then you can kind of show us what you guys offer and everything. And then go, okay, yeah, that might be an easier way to go through it. So I like to explain it. This is, it's a little complicated, meaning there's a lot of pieces to it and four cycles or phases. And I used to say steps, but they're not sequential. So they're, they're happening a lot of the time simultaneously. And the first one is discover. So we want to find the root cause. Like you had mentioned with your husband having an autoimmune disease, for us, that would be like, oh, okay, autoimmune, we're going to look at his gut. I mean, we're going to look at everything, but we want to see, well, one, if if these couples have been struggling with fertility, why? The why, that's, that's what I love about functional medicine. If we find the why, not just oh, you have this symptom, you're going to go do that, you know, go to that physician or have that, that pill or the surgery, you know, it's like, no, why? Like, why do we have this symptom, that and that going on? Like, are they all connected under there? Or is there one or two root causes? So basically, and then we, do, we also work with patients that want to optimize their fertility for the future. So that it might not be answering that question of why aren't you getting pregnant, but it's looking at what could be the possible uh, obstacles. So basically it all comes down, honestly, to optimizing the woman's health and the male's health, you know, so healthy man, healthy woman makes healthy sperm, healthy egg or vice versa. I can't remember <laughs> which, that was which makes it first there. Yep. So um, yeah, just doing a, uh, a huge overview looking at each each of the partners health so we'll do basic lab panels we'll ask a lot of questions with going back to your husband as an example with any autoimmune type thing and sometimes we end up finding autoimmune problems that weren't labeled or, or diagnosed prior especially with thyroid because a lot of times a full thyroid panel hasn't been done, meaning thyroid antibodies as well. So if we do pick up, oh, this person has really high or even any 
um, thyroid antibodies off the, the normal range, which there shouldn't be very, very, very many at all. And then that keys us into, oh, you know, you have an autoimmune process going on. And yes, absolutely. That, that can affect fertility, not to say everyone that has an autoimmune disease don't, doesn't get pregnant. I think we all probably know somebody that has had Hashimoto's or something and gotten pregnant. So it definitely work, it works for some people or, or doesn't, doesn't cause a, a, a block or, uh, you know, in fact, affect their fertility at all, but many patients it does. So we, when I hear autoimmune, I think of the gut, like so much, like this is our functional medicine training so much of our health is actually comes from our gut and how healthy is our GI system. It's mm -hmm. so interesting. And without going into too much detail, but our gut should be somewhat leaky. Actually, the term is per permeable, but if it becomes leaky, like too much stuff gets through, then that, so these, just think about it as like this foreign stuff that normally shouldn't get through these bigger protein molecules or whatever they might be, get into our blood system. And then our body does what it should. And our immune system says, hey, this is, shouldn't be here. Let's build an antibody for it. Okay, great. Well, the problem comes in when sometimes that foreign material looks like our thyroid material or like our, our stuff in our body or our cartilage. And then our body, instead of just attacking those foreign things that came through our gut, starts attacking our own tissues. And then hence the autoimmune piece. So that's, we can look at that as the, the root of the problem, right? And then how are we going to quote unquote fix it? Well, for us, it's a lot of times doing a stool analysis and, and digging deep into like what's, what's off balance and also looking at food sensitivities because if we can't plug those holes, so to speak, <laughs> help like things, um, the gut not be as leaky, then it's gonna, things are gonna keep coming through and we're, we're not gonna get anywhere. And with the food sensitivities, I uh, personally has, have done it myself. It's not an easy road. <laughs> you know, this, this whole path uh, of our program is not an easy fix, so to speak. However, it's getting people healthy, which is beautiful. Like I could speak on that forever as well. <laughs> you Can know, I getting... ask a quick question about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, please. So, um, during my journey through, you know, recurrent loss and trying to figure out for me, um, I tried the AIP route. So like the autoimmune protocol, like it was oh, a, a how you eat in terms of food. Um, oh, I've, I've heard so many women with recurrent loss do that and have success. It's so hard. Yes. <laughs> like, it sounds, maybe it's not called what, what you guys do with food sensitivities, but it is just like almost like an elimination diet and yes. then adding back in. And it's so difficult. Like I wanted a baby so bad and I, I couldn't do it. No, same. I, and I also, I actually do have an autoimmune and I've had gut issues my entire life. Like I was, have done so many, like been scoped so many times. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I like need to come to you and you <laughs> all of these analysis on me. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a lot meaning like time and energy. And then, so for example, this food sensitivity panel, the results come up mild, medium, or moderate anyway in, in three categories it's from less severe to more severe and this one particular company that we use because 
Dr. Amatma has tried a bunch of different companies. She's done all the footwork. And this is the one that statistically and reliably has when patients eliminate those foods feel better, like their symptoms resolve. So, so that's the one we use. And they actually, the way they do the testing of, of people's blood, when they, when they give blood to this company, they look for not just IgG reaction, but all these other immune reactions that our body does, which is so interesting that it's not just the IgG. So like how, how much of a reaction are you getting from these foods? And we, we do a, a 200 food panel that they, they offer different ones. And so the results come up in these three categories and with, with the mildest category, we say you can rotate those foods. So you don't have to completely eliminate them, but yes, it is difficult because for me, <laughs> I have so many foods because I'm sure my gut's leaky. And so the, the moderate and the max, I'm going to just call it, those aren't the terms they use it, but for me, I had to completely eliminate those. And yes, it's very tricky because when you go out to eat, there's, a, you know, oh. you don't know exactly what, what, what. And sometimes they're what they're, they're quote unquote, I hate saying this, but quote unquote healthy, like legumes oh, yeah. or grains, or it's not like, oh, you're not, you shouldn't be eating like dairy. That's a bad example, but you shouldn't be eating something that's like quote unquote inflammatory. So yeah. it's very unique per the person. No, you're right. It is very unique, right? Kale can be in on there. And you're like, well, I was eating a bunch of kale because it is healthy. healthy. Yeah, that's exactly why. Because our body, I've learned that if uh, through through my training, that if our body sees the same food every day, it sees it as foreign, and then it builds up an immune reaction to it. So exactly, like you think you're doing like something healthy. (laughs) So so yeah, that would be the piece we would do to help if somebody has an autoimmune problem problem and I'm, I'm jumping ahead a bit, but so we do that just, that's a discovery. We look at just anything that it could possibly be from history. I mean, we, we don't say you have to do every test because it gets very expensive. The functional medicine tests aren't covered by insurance for the most part and they're not cheap. And then so that's a discovery and we're continuing to get results back. And, and then I'll jump ahead to the third one, which is rebalance. And as we get results back, say your vitamin D level is low, then we're going to add more vitamin D to your regimen. You know, that, that kind of thing where it's not, that's continuing to happen. And then phase two is detox. And not only is it a physical detox because our bodies have accumulated chemicals, it, it just happens, you know, as as careful as we are, it can definitely make a big difference, but it's accumulated from years of just eating food, just living. And, but not only detox, like physically our physically from our bodies, but also from our, our household as well, our environment, which is mainly our household is what we can somewhat control, right? We can control the products that we have. I, I tell people, yeah, I used to go to Target and think I'm safe. And then I realized I've come home with products that aren't safe. I literally threw everything out in my house when we were trying for so long. I I like went through every single cabinet. I mean, it was, it was intense. I've even seen it all. Yeah. I've even seen like 
chairs, right? Like you're sitting in a chair and underneath the label says like may cause, may like have been made with cancer. Yeah. Like all these properties. And yeah, I definitely don't want to tangent anymore because I feel like I've done that too much. But Amanda, I think you followed my story enough um, and I'll just leave it at this. For those of you that followed my story very, very closely, um, my car got flooded about two months before we started trying to conceive. And about a year later, we found all of this mold in my car that I had been spending hours in commuting to and from work. And I went to a functional medicine doctor that found the mold through the testing, did the full detox, got a new car. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> got a new car and granted like you know it took I didn't conceive for another year and a half after that and I know it takes like that time but even just like the mold found in like the the coffee pods and all that stuff so I will stop my teaching but that's my experience absolutely yeah and it's interesting because we all have different abilities to detox or depending on our genetics depending on our environment epigenetics so yeah, what, what, again, what might affect one person they're around and surrounded by whatever it might be, Hey, they get pregnant, fine. But other people have problems. It's, it's just, yeah, it's interesting. So that's why I love this approach because I feel like it's puzzle, a, a big puzzle. And if we put all the pieces together at once, then that allows our bodies to heal themselves because we have that capability. But if all the pieces aren't in place, then it's it's not going to happen. So that's why all these phases are are happening as simultaneous as possible. I mean, obviously, a lot of these take time, and especially like you said, clearing out our house of all this stuff, and and we'll help couples prioritize, you know, what what to do because it's a lot when you look at our beauty products, our cleaning products, our, um, you know, what do we have under our sink and what pans are we cooking with and what are we storing our food in? Is it plastic? You know, that, that's all a lot to do and gets expensive when we have to replace all these things that we've been, we've been using. So, so that's our detox phase and obviously stop me if you have any questions along the way. And then we had, I had mentioned the rebalance. That, that's pretty basic. Yes and no, <laughs> depending on what's going on. Like was mentioned, molds, mold toxicity it can take a while. And the getting patients optimized can take a while, especially depending on how long things have been going on. Like, once in a while, we'll come across people who've drank a lot of alcohol, like a, a substantial amount as just their lifestyle and it it takes a while to get our bodies back depending on how long <laughs> you know like that that substantial amount of alcohol intake had been going on if it was like 10 to 20 years that it's going to take longer than somebody that maybe had been drinking quite a bit for like the last five years or something like that so that's uh, the rebalance piece and then the last phase which might be my favorite is the receive because I think of those like sweet little souls in heaven just waiting for us you know they're there they just need they need a conduit where it's physically gonna work and but in order for even the physical piece we need the emotional spiritual piece as well and so it's kind of multi-dimensional 
is so that there can be blocks. There can be blocks, like spiritual, emotional blocks. And for me, it was losing hope. And that's why I ended up naming the business Baby Hope Fertility, because I, it finally shifted for me, but I, for a while, I didn't have hope because we had had so many failed, failed attempts. We'd had our loss and, and failed IUIs, failed IVF. And I, we got to the donor piece and I was speaking to, honestly, it was like a new friend. It was a, a mom of, of one of my son's classmates I had just met. And for whatever reason, just felt like I, I wanted to open up and, I think it was that time and it wasn't like I hadn't opened up to other people, but whatever the magic in the situation, I finally had hope. Like it finally came to me and I couldn't force that. I'm telling you, I tried, <laughs> I tried so hard, all the tricks and, and we do have workbooks and I believe all that stuff really helps. Absolutely. However, there, even that like shifting the mindset and the emotions I feel is a spiritual process as well. However, I think uh, with with this, with paying attention to it, and also myself and my partner are trained in body intuitive, which is similar to body talk. I don't know if anyone's familiar with that, but the premise is that we all have abilities to heal ourselves, but we sometimes have blocks and doing muscle testing, we're able to energetically help determine what those blocks are and the emotional piece. So with that, it's, that's the spiritual piece of the program and, and understanding that, that even stress is a spiritual, physical process and we're all going to have stress. So we're not going to, I'm not saying like, Cut everything out of your life so you don't have stress. No, we're all going to have stress, obviously. It is more stress resilience. Like how how well do we handle stress? And with that, I love I love a good meditation practice. I mean, everyone's different what works for them, but I've found personally a good meditation practice. And I'm not saying I do this. Like I try as hard with kids and being busy, but I try... Ideally, I'll do it 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes in the evening. Honestly, I'm lucky if it happens one 15 minutes a day. <laughs> However, I find it it decreases my stress level so that when something does stress me out, I'm coming from a lower level, if that makes sense. Um, visually, I, I usually say, you know, I have my hand down low and then I go just up a bit. And then, but if my hand starts at that up a bit spot, and then it gets really high and then yeah it i can just feel it physically in my body so for me meditation is is a beautiful thing and we just help facilitate what might be a good um way to get people in their parasympathetic states versus their sympathetic states i love that that's a component of yeah the program because i i don't know amanda if you saw that out but I have, we have like the, what the fertility local group here in Charleston, and you find so many people going to their REI, then going to a functional medicine doctor and then searching out for like that spiritual piece. I know like I was just grasping at resources. I don't know if you've heard of the book spirit babies. Um, oh, you should read it. A lot of the stuff that you're sharing 
I, yeah, I will send you a link to that. It's, um, I, you know, I was reading that when I was going through losses and found some specific meditations to conception through like insight timer that was like very specific to meditating and like mind body connection with even like the uterus. It was very interesting, but I I love that that's just standard component of, of, you know, the program. Yeah. Thank you. Me too. I love that piece. So yeah, that that's baby help fertility in a nutshell. And then going to project fertility. It's funny. We thought for a while, like, what do we want to name this, this new venture that we're going to use, uh, work with groups, couples and groups. And finally came up with a project fertility. I was like, yeah. So we're both like, yes, that's it. And then I was on a trip with my girlfriends and I'm like, yeah, we came up with this great name. <laughs> And then I couldn't think of the actual word. <laughs> oh, and I was so like trying to describe it. They're looking at me like, mm-hmm. but <laughs> I think I have it down now. Project fertility. And <laughs> so basically taking the same program, but working in groups more or less. So, so that, so I think I heard, oh, go ahead, Amanda. No, no, no. I was just going to say, I mean, and you can totally chime in now, but I was going to say like, so if someone was to just be like, okay, I want to be a part, like, actually come to your practice like how does that even start are you only I know you're like located in Denver can people that are outside of Denver come do they need to come to your practice can they do it online like how does that beginning stages start yeah really good question so normally most of the interest I find is actually here in Colorado or the Denver area but interestingly enough I've only had one couple come in I, I do have a brick and mortar come in um to see me in person. So I I do everything virtually. I find a little tricky how to work within my license. So technically, if if someone's in Colorado, then it's under my license and no worries at all. And starting this new group, we can reach out and connect and help many couples that aren't in Colorado. So I love that piece of it. So I, I think that's how I'm going to to work in the future with couples that aren't in Colorado because because right now if couple a couple's not in Colorado technically they do need to come here for the first visit and then I can establish a patient doctor relationship with them and then do everything else virtually if that makes sense Mm -hmm. the, the way that I can work in a group and project fertility is it'll be more of a coaching uh setup where we're saying we'll, we'll make it more general like we'll be able to see results but it'll be more of general guidelines coaching versus actually diagnosing and treating so it's, yeah, no, that, it's a that, tricky that makes a lot of sense amanda's prime example like people will travel <laughs> like you you travel. I traveled for my transfers. My, I don't know, my quick story. I, my embryos are, we adopted embryos and they're all in Michigan. So I'm like the go-to traveler for any treatment. So That's wonderful. That's so <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. My husband and I ended up going to Mexico for uh, immunization type oh, wow. uh, treatment because it's not done and it's it's not FDA approved. It, they do it in Europe and in wow. Canada. It's just not approved here. So I understand I travel too. <laughs> That's really cool though. So I, it sounds like um, Project Fertility is still in the like initial phase of launch, but eventually will that be um, on your website? So we'd love to share your website in the show notes. And so maybe just in the future, people can come back, come back to the website to look for that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Please, please do. Thank you for sharing it. And our launch projected launch is August. So but yes, there'll be there's nothing on my website at the moment about it, but there will be. <laughs> That's so exciting. Thank you so much for sharing not only your personal experience, but I mean, how amazing for the barrier of the motor development in your hands to launching you into this passion project that's so close to home. I, Amanda and I can relate like via this podcast, right? Yeah. Um, so, so thank you so much for reaching out, being on. Is there any last, I guess, final words for, for any woman, let's just say like in their 40s that is looking, you know, for hope? Oh, yeah. Well, there is hope. That's the simple part. There is hope. Absolutely. And I love the looking at my treasure map, I guess, or there are other names for it, but picking out pictures and writing and, and pasting them, make a collage of what you want in the future that helps us manifest it. So like the more we think about it, the more we visualize us having that baby, the more likely we are to make those steps for that to come true. And yeah, it might not be an easy journey, but there, there is hope. There are ways. I love that. There. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Like Kat said, we were just so grateful you were on and getting to share your whole journey and your practice and everything. So thanks for being here. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Thanks for having me and thanks for sharing your journeys as well.